What's up, you all? William Woods from The Art of Genius. I got someone for you all to check out. A special shout out to my friend Jacqueline Hill and uh, childhood buddy and, and uh, fellow entrepreneur and my first ever business to advertise over The Art of Genius. Now, when you hear the name, be prepared to get hungry. Because when I hear it and every time I say it and stuff, I get hungry myself. And I don't care how much in the fitness and stuff I may be, when it comes down to a good pastry or a good meal and things like that, I do not pass it up. So, got a company for you all to check out. Whip Brands. They're your one-stop vendor for events and event planning. They offer catering for private and corporate events as well as meal planning. The event planning side, or Whip Lux, as you all may hear about it, go check them out. They'll execute your vision to perfection and they always strive to exceed their clients expectations now on a personal note when i see them on instagram yes you can go and find out um more about whip lux or whip ink or whip desserts or whip whatever by going and checking them out on instagram and on facebook when i see the stuff that jacqueline posts and stuff you know of course my mouth starts watering and stuff because like i said they, they execute this stuff to perfection so I wouldn't put my stamp on it as far as trying to help them promote if it wasn't something that I felt like needed to be checked out. And me, personally, I'm looking forward to having a, um, an event, okay, a birthday party or, or whatever, or when I go to the next level in my life, when it's time to celebrate, guess who's going to be doing the catering? Yes, Whipped Ink. So, go ahead and like them on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. That information to check them out, of course, facebook.com slash whippedlux. W-H-I-P-P-E-D-L-U-X-E, all one word. Of course, Facebook.com slash WhipLux. And follow them on Instagram. Instagram.com slash WhippedInc. Whipped underscore Inc. So, Instagram.com slash W-H-I-P-P-E-D underscore I-N-C. Once again, this is William Woods from The Art of Genius. Special thanks to my friend Jacqueline Hill. Go and support her business. Go and support her... Um, um, everything that she cooks and everything she puts together and by all means support your appetite because the stuff looks good alright you all take it easy have a good one Under y'all, showcased in front of y'all Took the look on their faces as motivation To absorb all the wonderful hatred Everything we do is a statement Of how we are created unique Just face it, it's all art given For some of us it resembles the same symptoms as autism, we all gifted To the rest of this world who don't live it We look like aliens to these unicorn chasers And go against the grain in this reborn matrix and embrace the outcast placement. Fact check it. We don't follow status quo. Half of those standards ain't even made for the average Joe. Every role we take is the scene. Welcome to the wonderful world of a creative, the art of genius. The way we think is art. The way we speak is art. We represent art. You are witnessing art. What's up, everyone? You're listening to The Art of Genius. I am none other than William Woods, your gracious host, um, um, your speaker at the moment, person bringing you this episode and bringing you this information. Uh, man, I've been... Well, no, 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 let me start that up again. As a matter of fact, say it a little different. You know, one of the beautiful things about creating your own podcast or having your own program is that you get to speak when you want to and you get to make sure that it's poignant every time. Now, let me let you in on a little bit of a, um, of a tidbit about, about William Woods, the man, you know, William Woods, the uh, man who's in his 40s and stuff now, who's, who's deciding that um, he's transitioning all of his, his artistic and, and media knowledge into becoming a purveyor of information. Um, one thing about me is I like to choose my words carefully. You know, um, be it sarcastic, 
or be it informative or be it formal or informal, I still like to choose my words carefully. I'm one of those people that I don't like to fly off um, at the mouth until it's time to. And I like to deeply analyze situations before I even respond. Now, when I respond, the type of response that, uh, that, that you get from me is usually calculated. And if it's not calculated, if it's, um, if it's a situation where I make a mistake in my response, I have no problem owning up to that. But I'm one of those uh, case in point that I like to have my, uh, my responses to situations be calculated and after a nice amount of, 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 of analysis and stuff. I don't like to just respond to things just knee jerk and stuff. Now, I say that because... Um, hmm. And I'm even choosing my words carefully as I report, record this podcast. Um, I say that because there's been a number of issues that I've waited. It's been planned for me to wait and respond the right way because this um, one thing that I've learned in adulthood is when I respond too quickly, I end up having to apologize. That's been in marriage, that's been in friendships. Um, professional situations and stuff if I respond too quickly nine times out of ten you have to retract whatever whatever kind of response that you did so or, uh, or, or you gave so at this point in my life I'm one of those like I said I like to I like to watch the situation unfold then give my two cents you know so I want this episode to be my two cents but it's not gonna be my two cents as a media personality it's not gonna be my two cents as an artist it's not going to be my two cents even as a podcast host. My two cents today, which um, if you ask me, my two cents is worth way more than just two pennies. As with anybody else's response, even those that don't have their own channel uh, of a podcast like The Art of Genius or any other ones that's out there. But my two cents in this situation is going to be given as a early middle-aged or middle-aged, have a have a way you want to refer to it, but as a middle-aged black man. Now, I don't know how far 42, almost 43, ranks up as far as uh, being middle-aged, but one thing that I'm damn proud of that I say I represent, and my mother and father have always taught me to be proud of this, even before I even realized what they were talking about, is that I am a black man first. Now, I say that and that leads directly into this episode's title and I've, I've had to even fight, my, fight with myself as far as when I wanted to record this because I wanted to make sure that I did it right. Today's episode is something that I'm pretty sure that every one of us in America is feeling at the moment. You know, um, um, COVID-19, that, that is, is, is huge as that situation was and still is. COVID-19 just was the beginning spark. But what happened recently with, um, with, uh, with, with, with um, the murder, I'm going to make sure I'm saying this right, the murder in broad daylight um, with no... Uh, restraint and remorse of George Floyd, God rest his soul, is by far the the dynamite that caused the entire explosive factory to go up in fl in flames. And this explosive factory, or, or powder keg, as you've heard it referred to a lot, is America. Now, make no mistake about it. And you've heard me say this in past episodes, and I'm going to repeat it again. I am one of the most pro-black, proud of my, um, my generation and of my culture and of my ancestry and all of that that you will ever meet. I am one of the most that you will ever run into. Now, am I the most um, loudest, or most loud, excuse me, am I the most loud trying to... Um, show you that I know more than you or that I'm more woke than you 
or I know I know so many historic facts and stuff that you probably didn't know exist. Am I like that? No, I'm not. But that does not take away for how does not take away from how notoriously pro-black, pro um um pro-family, pro-manhood, pro-alpha, whether you're alpha male, alpha female, in charge of your destiny that I am. You know, if you've heard uh, past uh, episodes of this podcast, I'm really big on self-empowerment and being proud of yourself for who you are. So naturally, the title of this episode has me feeling for no other word these um well has been taken from a feeling and these these times definitely have me feeling triggered yes you heard that right triggered no now for anyone that's done self analysis before or even been to therapy or or even had to analyze their own attitude honestly You've been in touch with that word trigger before. Now, for anyone that's just looking for opportunity to be to be ignorant, first time you heard trigger from me in this in, in, in this uh, episode, you probably thought about a gun first. Yeah, I'm ready to um, bust off on somebody and stuff. Nah, too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trigger. When you're fighting something and you're fighting to be better and you have that situation that or situations or a multitude of events or even a feeling that makes you want to go backward or feel like you're being taken backward or feel like you and everyone you love you're being taken advantage of that is a trigger now there are tons of other definitions and stuff for it even when you're talking psychologically even when we're talking um um um, um as a as a term of of, of self-improvement knowing yourself not allowing anything to take you back and stuff but in this situation i couldn't think of any other word to call this episode besides how i feel at this moment and i feel triggered now i need to apologize ahead of time the reason i apologize is because this trigger that's been pulled with the death of george floyd and all of the aftermath that's come um, around that event and my heart and deepest condolences go out to the Floyd family and anyone who knew um, um, George Floyd I think the the most hurtful thing that I could think around that situation is that it's not the first time that we've seen that happen uh, my personal opinion I think America is receiving its report card and it is a very failing report card you know America has been left back a few grades and stuff like that just for simply not wanting to do the work on itself and she's receiving a report card now that shows every single area where it's failing you know only difference is George Floyd the death of George Floyd I think is the final situation that that, that that gets her put on on notice for being expelled from school. It's a sad revelation, but that's the reason why I say I wanted to calculate my words before I just relax. Well, just well not react, not not relax, but before I just react. If I would have just reacted like I did when this first, like I was feeling when this first happened, it would have been a whole lot more profanity in this um, intro or the words leading up to this moment. But I had to, part of being older and realizing your trigger is that you also see how to calculate your response and how to settle yourself down. So that way you can share your thoughts on the situation from an educated standpoint. At least that's how I feel. I can't speak for everyone. But if you think about what we've been saying, what we've been saying on this podcast and stuff um, long before now, it's the, anytime I say the word you, it applies to me also. So. Um, man, I didn't even want to bother writing notes. I didn't want to bother trying to pick 
sorry Imperial, but I didn't want to try to pick any background music or, or, or beats or anything like that to go behind this episode because I want it to be just straight how I feel. Am I expecting everyone to agree? No. Am I expecting like minds to gravitate? To a certain degree. Am I using this episode as personal therapy? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because if I, I, I realize that if I hold on to how I feel and don't say anything, and not because I'm quiet out of fear or anything like that, if I just hold on to my revelations observing what's happening with America receiving receiving his report card and seeing how arrogant people have gotten when it comes down to mistreating others and stuff to the point where I feel triggered. If I hold on to that and don't say anything, nine times out of ten I'll probably end up in the penal system. As a lot of you all probably feel also. When you heard about George Floyd, if you're in my situation or even in another race and you just don't like seeing us or other people being mistreated or even your own being mistreated and stuff. That situation was triggering. When you see the quote unquote freedoms that have been taken away because of COVID-19 and things. They, even though it's been said that it's, that it's temporary and stuff, we all know that once all of the sanctions and stuff are lifted and they, and, and, they, and I, know, I know exactly who they are, the lawmakers, um, the politicians, the uh, business owners, the mayors, the governors, the government in that situation. That's who they are. Once they lift the sanctions, life is not going to be the same, as we all know. Now, my purpose for this episode is not about trying to trigger my audience so you can feel equally as on edge as I felt or as a lot of us have felt. It's not about that. It's about speaking in the sense of someone else being able to listen to this and say, damn it, that's exactly how I felt. Or he's in my ballpark. Or, oh, so it is all right to feel like that. Or, you're not alone. It's a bunch of other ors and stuff I could put on that, but I just have to get this out my system. Now, up to this point, I've been speaking professionally and I've been speaking about being an artist and being a professional and an entrepreneur and a genius and all this, that, and the other. I want to showcase another part of genius. Um, today and the genius that we're talking about is the genius of learning how to be a master of oneself now I don't know if I've showcased it and stuff like that it's not even about me showcasing the quote-unquote perfect way to be a genius when it comes down to oneself what I want to um, put across to us as an um, as the uh, art of genius community those that are listening and stuff is that it is perfectly all right and yes it is genius to understand and know your triggers and how society in itself can be poking at them without you even knowing it because one thing about the, the these triggers and stuff that you uh, that we have all come across is the past few months have shown us how much control we do not have over circumstances. You know, if we let it, if we let it. I always want to end off when it comes down to um, the observations and stuff that I make on this um, on this on this podcast. I almost want to. Um, I always want to end off with a light at the end of the tunnel and things like that because that's just the type of person I am. But I would be lying to you all if I was to say that the past two weeks didn't have me thinking as a black man, a black father, a black husband, a black professional, a black self-preservationist first. You know. Now, when I say um, self-preservation is no, I'm... I don't think in the context that I use it, I don't want to make it seem like the only person I look out for is me 
when I say me in that situation or self as far as self-preservation is, my son, he's a part of me. My wife, she's a part or extension of me. My family, they're extensions of me. My mother was an extension of me. My father still is an extension of me. Um, even these two crazy ass dogs and stuff that we have in this house that occasionally you may hear bark and stuff and it may get through on the edit. As crazy as they are, they are extensions of me. So when I say self-preservationist, I'm talking about all of that. I'm going to protect all of that with my life. But these past two weeks, up to this moment, because I think I had just got to a point where COVID and the new normal that came with it was like it was becoming commonplace. I had adjusted my workout routine turn since I couldn't go to the gym and stuff indoors. I turned it into going to the gym outdoors. Um, <clears throat> ended up saving a lot more money because of not having to shop so much and stuff like that. Um, working from home, I had already had my creative corners or my, my creative area slash man cave slash studio so I'm so I'm able to do my work from home even more proficiently than even when I go into the office so I had already made that adjustment but once the death of George Floyd happened the biggest trigger that I think that I ran into was damn it we are here again I have to let that marinate because it just, if I didn't feel any other way, I felt, damn it, we are here again. Now, in my life, I've observed a few situations that, are rach that have been racially charged, but I think most people that came up in my era, we've been referred to as Generation X and things like that, um, X, X, um, Xennials, so on and so forth. But anyone that came up in my era, you know, we came up in an era where we knew about racism. We saw racism. But because of the direct um, the, the direct effect of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, James Baldwin, Marcus Garvey, um, um, and the reintroduction of them into popular media through like music and and urban-based TV shows and stuff like that, like uh, A Different World and, and Martin and, and uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and all of that. We saw it, but we didn't know how to name it until either our parents uh, our, our parents showed us that it was no, or told us that it was no nothing new under the sun, or we saw it in a music video, like, oh, F the Police, even though that was a song, and we heard about that, of course, through song first. But when we heard F the Police and stuff, it was it was like, oh, man, that happened somewhere else. Or we was young when we heard that. We didn't know that was eventually coming for us until it actually happened. You know, I still remember to this day my first time that I felt like I was racially profiled and stuff. And I didn't even realize it was racial profiling until I got just a couple years older after the fact and started getting pulled over a little bit more and stuff like that. Um, and starting to realize that the one common denominator was that nine times out of ten, it was a white, his, it was a white police officer, and me, I was young and black. Now, thankfully, and someone must have been, um, someone must have been praying, but thankfully, I've never seen a violent part of that. But I did. I would be lying to you all if I didn't tell you that I realized that it was some point in my life where. I found myself getting pulled over without doing anything. In some cases, getting stopped without doing anything. In some cases, even doing um, um, getting getting um, mildly harassed by police officers of other origins or other nationalities and stuff, just because I was black. I remember there was one time, and this isn't the first time, but um, my wife and I was talking um, the other day, and I told her I said, well. Um, I still remember the time where I was leaving her house and it had to be about like midnight or whatever it was. They stayed in Hyde Park um, when we was dating and stuff when I was in college. And she was finishing up high school and then when she finished high school she had just, um, she, um, she was in college also. I'm only a year older than my wife. But I still remember to this day 
where it was one time where I was going, I was headed home and I used to have this thing where I would go over her house after I, uh, after work because I worked right down in Hyde Park. Coconuts music and video. That's a throw. That's a throwback for anybody that's listening. Just in case you uh, ever remember going there for music and videos and so on and so forth. I used to work at the one in Hyde Park. My wife and I actually met there. I still remember. It was one time while I was going home, and I was walking down the street to my car where I parked. Because anyone that knows Hyde Park, you you one thing about Hyde Park that's still true to this day. You never find a parking space exactly in front of the spot you're trying to go to. You have to park down the street. Or sneak into a parking lot or whatever the situation may be. So in my case, that's exactly what I did. So I parked a little bit down the street and she used to stand out on that porch and watch me as I walked um, walked to my car. And so just to make sure everything was cool. I got to my car and two unmarked, it was like, may have been three. But I was so young and stuff, I had to be no older than like 19 or 20. Now I was like 20 by this time because it was during the summertime. Two to three unmarked cars pulled up on me, and like I said, it's about midnight. I'm walking in my car, and then when I look at I, I, when I look at myself, um, even to this day, I dress like a black man. I don't like the idea of dressing like a thug. I don't like the idea of dressing like um, dressing like preppy. But if anybody else does it, then you do it. I'm, my thing is, it's more it's all about the intention behind why you do something versus you just naturally doing it. I feel like how I dress even back then is a reflection of how I feel not what I want people to think about me not because I want somebody to be intimidated by me not because I want somebody to think that I'm down with the with the fashion trends how I dress is comfortably how I am but this situation taught me that and of course when I look at when I looked at it in retrospect this situation taught me that no matter how you view yourself there's going to be some people that are going to view you as the negative you, of course, interchangeably me. No matter what I do, there's going to be some people that's going to see the negative possibility in that just off how you look. So when I look at myself and how I dressed, and back then it was I was the same way. I felt like I was dressed as a comfortable college student. Well, these unmarked cars pulled up on me and naturally hit me with the um, flashlight in the face and stuff. Not literally hit me, but put the flashlight in the face as they walk as they pull up next to me in their car and stuff like that and they see I'm walking in my own car. Um and they're like, where you coming from? I'm like mild mannered, same casual tone of voice and stuff like that. Um my girlfriend's house right down the street. If you look right there you see she's on the balcony um on the porch watching me as I walk back to my car. I say what you doing out here? I'm like, I just told you, you know. Now, I didn't get the talk from my parents that, um, son, you should stay calm and say sir and yes sir and ma'am and no ma'am and all that stuff. I never got that talk from them because one thing about my parents, my parents taught me to this day, be proud of who you are. Proud doesn't mean ass kissing. You don't say you don't say sir, no sir, yes sir to avoid getting the billy club in your head. So I never got that training. I was always taught to just remain calm. And this is exactly what I did. Remain calm, remain respectful, so on and so forth. Don't think you have to kiss your ass to keep kiss kiss ass to keep your life. That's not how this whole thing works. So that's exactly how I did. I think the pro I think the officer had an issue with um with how confident and how relaxed I was in my responses. And stuff, and they saw my car as I was walking up. They said, "You might okay. Well, uh, you head on. You mind if we search your car?" Now, me and just sheer confidence, I say, "Yeah, go ahead." You know, have him. Um, he and a couple of other um, um, white officers and stuff um, <clears throat> go through my go through my car and stuff. I say, "The only thing you're gonna find is some homework. You wanna do it for me?" You know, just trying to. Put some banter into the situation and stuff to to, to um to hide how nervous I might I might have been trying to uh, overcompensate for. But I say you know my book bag. He saw my book bag. He said, "What's in there?" I said, "Some homework." I said, "I said you can do it for me if you want." He said, "Where you go to school at?" Now this is the point where, and no, I'm not using this as a badge to try to wave in anyone's face that comes that doesn't come from this kind of background. But this is the one area. 
where I felt like what my parents taught me took another shape because I've used it so many times in life and I wish that someone like George Floyd or or Ahmaud Arbery, even though he came from this Botham, Botham Jean, um, um, man, uh, Philando Castile, all of these cats, I wish they had the opportunity to do this because it is the perfect opportunity to this day that I uh, that I that I've seen where you stunt on some you stunt on a racist police officer without even losing your cool. When the officer saw my book bag and I cracked the joke saying, "And them some homework in there. You want you want to do it for me?" You know, he said, "Where you go to school at?" At this point, I was a, a sophomore, I think it was. I said, "Well, I'm currently going to the Illinois Institute of Art downtown um, in Chicago, downtown Chicago." He said. Uh, uh, is that the Art Institute? People always say that. Is that the Art Institute? I said, nah, it's the, it's, it was one of their sister schools and stuff like that. You know, told them the location across from the Merchandise Mart. Now, mind you, I didn't even realize until I got older that my rights were being violated just off of that. Me having to explain all of that to kind of justify why this dude shouldn't arrest me. Me, I'm just doing what, um, what my, um, my survival instinct and my personality at that moment said, okay, well, keep the situation light and stuff. These dudes don't seem like they got no issues and stuff like that. So you just keep yourself out there, police car. <clears throat> so I said, I went to school, going to school downtown, worked down in, uh, in, um, at Coconuts in High Park. Um, um, by this point, my wife started walking down the street and stuff like that. You know, she was, my, of course, my girlfriend back then. So I walked down the street just to make sure I was all right and stuff. And me and me and the main police officer who stopped me, we sitting there having a conversation while the other cat's sitting there violating my rights by um searching my car without any probable cause, without any need to do so, without any type of threat or anything like that. I didn't realize until I got older, I could have been putting myself in a situation to get something planted on me. Even as a quote unquote semi-educated college student there was an artist They had a bunch of art supplies and my book bag and stuff all in the back of my car. It's people that get set up like that all the time because one thing that this one trigger that this um, George Floyd situation is it, 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 it exposes to me is that there are police officers out there that are supposed to do good that look for opportunities with non-suspecting people and have an agenda with it. For anyone that's listening right now that you don't believe that that's true, look at the story of Khalif Browder. Look at Sandra Bland's story. Look at all of the situations that a 42, almost 43-year-old man, has gone, 42, 43-year-old black man has watched since 1977. And you see the reason why I feel triggered right now. Triggered to the point where when I get up in the morning, I try not to even look at my social media because it's going to be people just incessantly sharing over and over and over and over and over and over again the bad news. And their intention may not be some people. Some people's intention may not be to just um, share the bad news and stuff and have the rest of us just feeling triggered for the rest of the day thinking that we may not make it home if we go out for our fitness jog and, and jog past the wrong person or jog past some police officers but that's one of the triggers that's pulled <clears throat> i guess it's all about awareness but then there's another trigger that comes up and stuff where there's some people that's just sharing the bad news because it's a it's a i want you to hear it here first make me famous over social media kind of mentality but that's another subject we we We'll, we'll, we'll let that one marinate. But let me get back to my um, get back to my story. That was one time where I felt like my parents said, my parents kind of inadvertently, and I ain't going to say inadvertently because my mother used to tell me this all the time. You outsmart your competition. You don't come down to their level. And I'm glad I got to tell her before she passed that, Ma, I hear what you, I hear what you were saying. You you um you understand people's motives. You don't look at what's being done. You look at the person that's doing it. You know, because people that do bad one second do good another one. But if you hold on to the person, what you've observed about the person's character, that should help make sound sound decisions and help make sound judgments. Without 
or make sound assessments. You know, not judge, but make sound assessments about how far to go with a certain person. So anytime, and that was just one situation I talked about, because obviously, of course, the um, police officer looked in my book bag and saw it was like a whole bunch of art supplies. Probably saw they saw my Walkman with my headphones and stuff. And then like I told you, by this time, my wife had walked down the street and she was standing out there watching. She said, I was making sure everything was all right. And I guess they saw that my story was pretty much was valid. And he said, okay, all right, sir, you have a good evening and stuff. And that's it. That was when I was 20 years old. They let me go. I can think of plenty of situations and stuff where I've gotten tickets from a police officer that said I was speeding just because they wanted to look and see what it was that was in my car. And it wasn't until like my mid-30s that I even started asking when I got pulled over, say, uh, is there some kind of problem, officer? No. So all of this George Floyd and police brutality and racism and all that stuff has me feeling very, very triggered. I just wanted to share some situations where my interaction is what's being, <clears throat> excuse me, is what's being rehashed as we speak. There was one situation I remember when um I was leaving the gym and this I was over in I told you the the first. That wasn't the first time, but the second time I remember where I talked my way out of it, but let who I let who I am kind of luckily get me out of the situation. Here's another situation where the um, and I have to pause while I'm saying this because all of the anger is coming up as I say this because I'm not even gonna lie; these past couple of weeks have had me pissed off. And I mean pissed off to the point of if my heart goes out to anybody, it's the people out there fighting the good fight. I will tell you till I'm blue in the face. I cannot stand the clout chasers in the scenario. The people that use George Floyd's death and the police brutality around it in any other situation. And the best thing that you can do with that fucking situation is go and tear down somebody's business. Whether it was black, white or not. I cannot stand that because that's the clout chaser in the situation. They don't care anything about the Floyd family. They don't care anything about uh, Ahmaud Arbery's uh, family. They don't care anything about both of them, John. All they saw was the opportunity to go get a free TV, and I can't stand that. That's another trigger. But I want to take you back to when I was 38 years old. 38 years old. As you all have heard me say, I've been into health and fitness for a long time, 12 years to be exact. It's changed my life completely. Um, I was way more overweight and stuff toward the, um, <clears throat> toward the beginning of my 30s. Actually, by the time I was 30 and 31 and stuff, I was the... Uh, Heaviest I had ever been. No need to go into the numbers and all that stuff. If you know me on Facebook, you've seen the pictures. You know, if you know me on social media, you know you hear me um or you see me post the hashtag Wheels Fitness Business all the time. You know, so it's just this is what it is. There was one time I was I remember I was 38 years old and this I guess this is all coming up now. This is another this is a trigger because I'm one of those I have a memory like an elephant. I can still remember dates, I can still remember times. I can remember what time of year it was. I can remember the weather outside, all of that stuff. Well, it's amazing that we're having this conversation today because almost five years to this day, I still remember it was one time where a police officer almost shot me or at least felt like he needed to, he, he needed to have his gun drawn when he came over to my car. When I was leaving the gym, this was over in Matson. It was around June of of um um let's see five years from today so it's like yeah about june of 2015 i had this thing that when i left the gym late at night especially if it was a weightlifting day and stuff i would stop at probably a speedway gas station and get a, a, a protein shake and you went out there in the fitness and stuff that does the same thing you know exactly what i'm talking about you're leaving the gym late at night you want to get that protein shake make sure you're feeding the muscles and helping your recovery so on and so forth so I decided to take a little joy ride while I was doing it. So I went, I came from the export fitness that was over in Matson, <clears throat> rode down Lincoln Highway to the speedway that was in Frankfurt. 
right on the corner of Lincoln Highway in Harlem, from those you are that are from the south suburbs. So I go into the um, Speedway, and I have a, is a car that I have that I've had since I was 20, 22 to be exact. I've had since I was in my 20s. Um, that car, yeah, since I was, since, yeah, since I was 22, that car, funny thing is, that 99 Honda Civic, <laughs> <laughs> the 99 Honda Civic turns 21 this year <laughs> but I still have that car to this day when I paid it off I turned it into my project so the last thing you would think when you see someone riding around in this car is that there's a 42 almost 43 year old guy in this car that's how long I've had it it's a um, it's a it's a um, it's a symbol of when times were simpler and the plus it was my it was also my first my first ever car note so what i did um taking the ride in this car that has tinted windows aftermarket spoiler on it and stuff i think at this point i had lights had neon lights on it but i didn't have the lights on at night because i know better <laughs> that's another trigger i know better than to ride around in a car with tinted windows and and uh rims and and um, um, neon lights on at one o'clock in the morning going to Frankfurt. I know I know better than that, and I know some of you all may have felt the shiver go down your spine when I said that. But it's the truth. These are triggers. That's the name of this episode. It's trigger. So I go into on um, Speedway, grab my um, going to Speedway, <clears throat> grab my protein shake, pay for it, walk out to the car. By the time I get into the car, turn the car on, and back up, there are two police cars behind me, both with the lights on. I hear, uh, and of course, I look in my mirror, and I see one cop walking up to me with his hand on his gun and stuff. Comes, knocks on the window. By this point, you know, I already know the procedure. Not because my parents taught me to be afraid to police officers and stuff like that. By this point, we had already, we had already lived through Rodney King. We had heard about the Genesis Six. Heard about Amdu Diallo. We heard about all of that. We had seen TV shows and stuff where people have said when you, when um, the police get to your car, I already have your information out. So I already had my um, license and registration and all that stuff out. You know. Now mind you, it was like two o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm on my way home. Come to the car, knock on the window. He, he knocks on the window. I roll down the window with my protein shake, my muscle milk in hand and stuff. I'm telling you, loud and disrespectful as can be, with his hand on his gun and his holster and stuff, says, What are you doing out here? Do you know why I fucking pulled you over? I'm like, I didn't realize you pulled me over. I was backing out of the uh, parking space. I said, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me if there's some kind of problem. In that same tone of voice. Only difference was I was taking sips from my most muscle milk while I was um while I was doing it. Well, first fucking reason I pulled you over was because you had the you 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 have um tenant license plates and stuff on this car. Give me your license and registration. Didn't lose my cool. Took another sip of my protein shake. Handed on my license and registration and stuff, which I already had hanging out the window and stuff anyway, because my window was down. I'll be right back. You sure, is there anything you want to tell me before you um be, before you before I check this out? Like no, go right ahead. By this point, the the um 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 I want to say the the strength of my parents and my um and my family members, my extended family members and stuff um had kicked in. Now I don't mean kicked in at that moment. I mean by that point, like I said, I was thirty eight. Point I was talking about in Hyde Park, I was 20. So 18 years of watching this same bullshit go on over and over and over and over and over again to the point where I'm like, I don't have nothing to hide and I'm not afraid of you. Which that's a complex that I have. You know, I went from being a, a shy, somewhat timid kid to being a super cocky, like nothing scares me adult. Go figure. We'll talk about that on a different, on another episode. But while this dude was loud and 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 cussing with his hand on his gun, trying to intimidate me, I'm taking sips from my my muscle milk, giving my um my license and registration, 
And he says, just trying another situation, trying to engage me and get me to the point where he can uh, arrest. He, he can arrest his this nigga in his eyes and stuff. He can um, arrest this dude tonight and then possibly get his drug deal off. Uh, uh, get his I get his drug deal off the street and stuff. He says, well, I suggest if you don't know the fucking rules, you need to go and check the uh, rules of the road. Do you need me to get you one? And I look at him and say, I'm very aware of it. Don't need none of that. Well, I'll be right back. I guess he saw then that he couldn't um, couldn't engage me with his with his sarcasm or even having his hand on his gun that was in his holster and stuff like that. So he takes my license registration. And when I tell you 30 seconds, in 30 seconds, this dude came back. I wish I could say I would have counted and stuff like that, but it felt like 30 seconds. Just as quick as he left and he was super, super angry, racist cop, he came back super respectful, damn near like a butler. And said, Mr. Woods, I'm sorry I uh, interrupted your evening and things like that. Um, the reason I really uh, stopped you and stuff was because uh, you have tenant license plates and those are uh, illegal in Illinois. And me, same tone of voice as I always have, man. I said, oh, I was not aware of that. Um, I've had this car ever since I was, I told him, I said, I've had this car ever since I was uh, 22. I never knew that um, license plates tenant license plates were uh, were illegal. He said, "Yeah, just um just um make sure you take care of those and stuff and then we um then then you won't have to worry about getting pulled over and stuff like that." I'm like, "Cool. You have a wonderful evening, sir." He said that to me. Mind you, he was ready to shoot me not even two month, two minutes ago. He came back to my car with my license and registration in hand, super apologetic, way more calm or whatever it was, and said, Mr. Woods, you have a good evening, sir. Grab my license and registration. I never had to get out the car, anything like that. Still sipping my protein shake, rolled my windows up, pulled off. Now, I'm not bringing that up in the sense of saying, nah, 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 look what I got away with. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, imagine if five years ago, Had I gave this police officer who walked over super intimidated with his hand on his gun. Angry, loud, aggressive, trying to get trying to engage me in a confrontation and stuff with him. Had I gave him just one one um one reason. If my ego would have took over for one moment and me not realizing that I like the idea of being too cool and outsmarting idiots in that situation. Had I lost sight of that for one moment. My name will be on that list too. I don't want to take this situation and make it be about me because that's, that's not what I'm saying. But for making that mistake and for letting this trigger take over that this police officer was trying to kick in and stuff like that. That he was trying to act on. I could have been dead that night too. All of this is coming back. Over the past couple weeks. And I'm sorry, there's a different existence to being a black man. It's not one of those where I'm expecting nobody to feel sorry for us. No, fuck that. No, there's a different existence to being a black man. Understand what it feels like when you are a man who damn near every motive you're putting together for your life and for the advancement of your life and your people is questioned. You go to work, people are wondering if you are serious as you as as you um as you say you are. In your relationship or whatever it is, I don't know how this is with my wife. I don't want to speak for my wife, but we see it all the time. People talk this nonsense, all all men cheat, especially black men. And then you're trying to fight that. Then you go outside. You're a black man that's into fitness and stuff like that. Nine times out of ten, people thinking that you're trying to sleep with a whole bunch of people and stuff while you're trying to keep yourself together and stuff. When the fact of the matter is, it just seems so preposterous to them that there's a such thing as a black man who cares about his health. And it has nothing to do with how he looks. Then, God forbid, you go past the police and stuff like that in any situation. Whether you're in the store, you're going to get followed around. Or you're walking out to your car. They're wondering what you do to get you that car. Or... 
you're going to the bank because they're wondering what you do and stuff like that to get the money or whatever it is, where you got the money from. You're going shopping. You're walking out with a whole bunch of bags. You walk past police. Nine times out of ten, they'd be looking, think you're a drug dealer. Whatever the situation is, you come across your own people and stuff. You got to wonder if somebody's going to get jealous or whatever it is. Try to take what it is that you have because they don't have it, even though you're supporting them getting their own. Hopefully, they support you getting your own. There are triggers that are in play right now that I haven't even touched on. That the rest of the, that the audience that's listening to me right now, you're filling it in as, I, as we speak. That's why I had to wait to do this episode because I have been pissed off. And what I mean by that is I'm not pissed off, ready to go tear some shit up. I'm pissed off in the sense of, like I said, when we first started this episode, damn it, we are here again. No. I can't believe that we are here again. Then not only can I not believe that we're here again, I'm recalling old times when I stayed over in Inglewood. And like I said, I grew up in an era where we knew about racism, but we didn't when we we would we didn't realize that's what we was experiencing until somebody pointed it out. At least my generation. I didn't even know while we were standing over on 66 in Claremont over in Inglewood. I didn't even know that Ku Klux Klan would march up 67th Street off of Western going back eastbound and things like that. I didn't even know that. I thought it was a parade when I was six, seven years old when it used to happen. I didn't know that until my parents told me, said, that's the Ku Klux Klan marching. Do you know who the Ku Klux Klan is? And that was my first lesson on who the Klan was. I didn't know that. I didn't know that when I was the very first time that I felt that, that I realized I got racially profiled and I didn't realize until I was older and stuff was when I was 16 years old and I had this car. We, we nicknamed it the ghetto sled. It was my very first car ever. <laughs> it was a uh, 77 Ford LTD. As a matter of fact, why I had this damn car, I have no idea. But fact of the matter is, I had this car, and we was riding around in it and stuff like that. And I didn't realize what they call racial profiling nowadays. When we was growing up, they call it mob action. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of mob action. I was riding around. We was looking for a basketball court or somewhere to go play basketball and stuff like that. But we was like six deep in this car, not realizing that all it took was me riding down the wrong street in Dalton. And that's exactly what happened. My 16-year-old ass riding, uh, riding around with five of his other friends in the car got pulled over. Police officer said, you want to know the reason why I pulled you over? I guess he did this for protocol. You know the reason why I pulled you over? I'm like, why? He says, you have a, um, a baseball cap on your dashboard. That's obstruction of, uh, of driver's view. Now, of course, he gave me some nonsense that my 16-year-old self wouldn't have been able to decipher. I just looked at it like, oh, okay, man, I'm getting pulled over, got a ticket. And then he gave me another ticket for not having insurance. I didn't realize that's how a corrupt police officer would get you. They flip formalities. And it's been ever since then that I had to learn I'm not going to be just a notch for some police officer to come up and say, okay, I'm going to harass this dude and there's something wrong with him. I just don't know what it is. But if I pull him over, the probable cause tells me that something's going to be guilty about him. And sure enough, at that point, which now I look at it like it was meant to happen, like I do a lot of situations and stuff. Had I not give, given this dude the reason and listened to my parents and got just some little $30, $40 insurance on this old piece of crap car and stuff. He wouldn't have had any reason except that I had a bunch of friends and stuff in my car, which I learned my lesson from then. Anybody that knew me after that and stuff. You knew me through my senior year of high school. Uh, all the way up to this point, I don't ride around with a car full of people ever since that situation. I understand what my parents, especially my mother, taught me when she said, you outsmart your competition. You don't come down to their level. You outsmart them. 
You don't argue with people over their motives. You see their motives and then you move past them. You move around them. Because first of all, people are not going to admit. I've added this part on. When, did you, when have you ever known someone to walk up to you and say, you know what? I really don't like you. It could be the color of your skin. It could be how beautiful you are. It could be how, um, how well-spoken you are. Um, how much money you have. How you just have the knack to keep trying. Just how you look. How you carry yourself. And when has somebody ever walked up to you and said that? Not too many times. I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but not too many times. Here's the, more, here's the even more tragic part. In George Floyd... Sandra Bland, Khalif Browder, all these people found out the hard way. There are people who think like that about you who have badges. Meek Mill even found out. There are people who think like that about you who have judges' robes and gavels. The positive note that I want to end with, you can outsmart them. So I guess in some sense, me, me feeling so triggered over the past couple weeks as far as being a black man, feeling like I'm walking around with a target on my back, not that I'm afraid of anybody and stuff, but just being triggered. Go through the grocery store and somebody cuts you off and you're ready to just let people have it and stuff like that. Um, um, there's a group of people standing around you and stuff like that, especially a group, pe group of people of another race and stuff. They standing around you and you looking at them and they're afraid to look at you and you just naturally think after seeing what's on the news, I bet they think I'm a nigga. I wish one of these moms would, would call me a nigga. I'm going to set this whole damn store on fire. That's triggering. Release the trigger. Sometimes you have to adjust to release that trigger. There's been points where I even had to get out the house and stuff like that because I felt like the conversation was being talked about a little too much. Let me get to my happy place. You know, it's just what it is. But realize, just like this episode is saying, we are triggered right now. Some people don't care. Some people are clout chasing. But there's some of us out there that we thoroughly feel triggered. The whole point of putting this episode out is that there's nothing wrong. There's those crazy dogs that I was talking about. <laughs> Everyone, that's uh, that's Ace and Hershey. That's Ace making all the damn noise. But fact of the matter is, that must be him telling me that it's time to wrap up. But I've taken enough of you all's time. But just understand, we are triggered right now. There's nothing wrong with being triggered. Nothing wrong with being angry. It's what we do with it that's going to make the most difference. All right. So that being said, thank you all for listening once again to the Art of Genius. I'm William Woods. This has been a very deep, um, deep episode. Just know that it's going to unfold. And no matter what, no matter what you hear from me, no matter what I say about certain situations, you can trust that the genius in it is learning and knowing how to flip it into a positive. And if you can't flip it into a positive, use it as motivation to stay positive. Not because of ass kissing anybody else, because in that sense, it does make you better. It makes you better than the evil people in that situation. It makes you better than the situation itself. And like I said, when I'm talking about you, it applies to me. Thank you all for listening. You have a good... um. Good rest of your day. We're going to get through this together, all right? All right. Yo, it's time to speak for the unheard. Sum it up in one word. Us fitting in with society is absurd. Downright ludicrous. Some of us meant to be rebellious. The rest of us smarter than what they selling. I'm too cheap to purchase what the majority selling. And too deep to downplay what's in my cerebellum like I did as a youngster. Just for the sake of keeping friends. Now look what I become the antithesis of what they front for. Post a child of the courage that you were supposed to. Demonstrate when you're faced with a grown-up choice. Sink or swim. Follow the crowd or listen to the beat within. Be a leader or a push shuffler. We stand against these ignorant plans and structure. Enough of the false narrative. It's time to get focused. You can engage from one of the coaches. You're welcome. The way we think is hard. 
the way we speak is art of We representing art of art of You are witnessing art of Watching or listening to art of Live what I envision of art of Art of art of The art of genius is a Woods Media Group production. Musical supervision by Imperial for Underground Railroad Entertainment. Be sure to check us out on YouTube and on popular social media. And that web address, in case you was wondering, is www.designbywwoods.com. Once again, www.designbywwoods.com.